You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 148. I think the Enneagram comes to life in the coaching work because clients don't want to learn the Enneagram. What they want is help with their problems and their goals. And so beyond the debrief of the Enneagram, what I focus on then is with the client What are they trying to do in their world and how do these patterns support them? How can they leverage the strengths of their type and how can they watch the kind of shadow side of the pattern and how it might get in the way? Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the Star Coach Show, where we explore strategies, tools, and resources for professional coaches each and every week. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler. I am over the top excited for what our guest is offering you today. So stay tuned because I really think that this is something you're going to want to take advantage of. Our guest today is Master Certified Coach Kathleen Stinnett. Now you might be familiar with Kathleen because she was our guest on episode 110 as well where she talked about how we as coaches can help engage creativity in our process to help our clients circumvent that left brain logic processor and actually tap into more creative insights and perspectives to help them forward wherever it is that they're trying to go. It was a wonderful episode. If you haven't heard episode 110, I will put a link for that in the show notes. Which reminds me, I wanted to do a quick little tutorial about the show notes because I've gotten some questions. Meg, you refer to the show notes and what exactly are the show notes? The show notes are a brief synopsis of what we talk about in the episode. And it's also the place where you can get the links for the things that we talk about in the episodes. So it's super easy to get the show notes. You just go to starcoachshow.com and you go to the episode that you're looking for the resources in. So if it's the most recent episode, it's going to be the top episode on the homepage. If by chance you're looking for an older episode, you can go to the podcast episodes page at starcoachshow.com and just search. Search the name of the guest, search the episode number that you're looking for, or if you're looking for a particular topic like business building, or if you were looking for the Enneagram, which is what we're going to be talking about today, and you didn't remember the name of the guest, and you didn't remember the name of the episode, that's fine. Just search Enneagram, and that would come up. So there's the end of my little tutorial on the show notes. But because so much good information is in the show notes, I wanted to be sure to uh, help those of you that were confused about where to find them learn where to find them. So let's get back to today's show. As you know, when we talk about different strategies, tools, and resources, we can go in many different directions. 
one of the things that we think about when we think about tools is assessments. How do I work assessments into my coaching? And with the plethora of assessments that are out there, which ones might I consider using with my clients? Now, we know that there's a range of different kinds of assessments from free assessments to low-cost assessments to those that you need to be certified in to be able to use them within your practice and use them well because you have to be trained on how to debrief and administer and all those aspects. Well, in our interview today with Kathleen Stinnett, we are going to talk about the range of different kinds of tools you can use when you think about the Enneagram. I often ask coaches who I trust and respect for their favorite assessments, and I've got to tell you that not just Kathleen, but several coaches that I really respect said, oh my gosh, the Enneagram. Do you know about the Enneagram? So Kathleen agreed to come and talk to us about her favorite Enneagram instrument, but also about the construct of the Enneagram. So we're going to start with what is the Enneagram system? What does that construct look like? And she's going to talk about many different ways that you can access that from free to books to different assessments. And then we're going to zero in on her favorite assessment, which comes from Integrative 9 Enneagram Solutions. This is the part that is going to blow your top. It did me. I was so impressed that Kathleen was able to arrange this. Kathleen talked to Integrative 9 Enneagram Solutions, and they agreed to give every listener the opportunity to take their assessment, which is if you went online to access this, it would be $120. So she got each listener the assessment, $120 value that you can take for free for the next 60 days. So if you're listening to this podcast in real time, then you've got up to 60 days to be able to access this. The way that I figure that, that that's going to be about October 21st is when this offer is going to end. Now, when I talk to Kathleen, this is not one of those opportunities, like if you if you want to get free tickets from a timeshare where you have to listen to an hour and a half presentation. No, there's no strings attached to this. It's just that Kathleen and Enneagram 9 our Integrative 9 Enneagram Solutions, believe so much in their assessment and the value that it brings. They're offering that. Now, I will tell you that I took the assessment and it is so robust and it gives such incredible information that actually Kathleen is going to use a little bit of my assessment in this interview to show you how you might use the Enneagram with your clients. Now, Kathleen, as I mentioned, is a master certified coach. She is the principal and founder of Future Launch, where she works with clients in both coaching and human performance solutions. She's been bringing her over 25 years of experience working with individuals and organizations to us today to be able to help us understand how does she work 
with people and organizations to help improve their effectiveness, enhance their fulfillment, and create sustainable change. Kathleen is also the co-author of the book, The Extraordinary Coach, How the Best Leaders Help Others Grow. And she developed this award-winning Extraordinary Coach program that helps managers improve their management through coaching effectiveness. Kathleen is certified as a coaching supervisor. She is a light and joy to talk to. She is one of my favorite people to spend time with, and now I want you to spend time with her as well. So what I want you to do is explore the Enneagram with us in this interview, and then determine, is this something I want to know more about? And maybe take the assessment and learn more about myself. So I'll tell you in the close of the show how you can access the free Enneagram that Kathleen is going to talk about. And remember, there's absolutely no strings attached to this. This just might be something that's really beneficial to you. It was very beneficial. I really appreciated the construct and might very well choose to become certified in this instrument in the future. So let's learn more about the Enneagram with Master Certified Coach Kathleen Stinnett. Kathleen, welcome back to the Star Coach Show. How are you? I'm very good. It's so nice to see you again. It is so nice to see you as well. I'm super excited to talk about our topic today because A, I know what value it brings to your business and, and just the way that you interact with your clients. But what's interesting is that when I reach out to coaches about being on the show, it has been a bit enlightening to me how many want to come talk about Enneagram. And I said, thank you. I have somebody lined up to do that. And let's go ahead and do that. So let's start, Kathleen, with talking about what was it that brought this construct into your awareness and made you kind of interested in the Enneagram? Well, it's a funny story. Probably 20 years ago, I had a really lovely dear friend who was also a coach and she was a fervent believer in this model. And for those of people on the call that don't know, Enneagram literally is Greek for Ennea is nine And gram is paths or ways or, you know, I just think about it as nine paths. So the Enneagram describes nine personality types. Well, my friend Siri mentioned this in every single conversation. And she could not get through a conversation without saying, oh, well, that's because I'm a two and he's a seven and she's a nine. And it so turned me off. I vowed to have nothing to do with this. That is funny because it, that does sort of hit us certain ways, doesn't it? So that was, you were like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I thought she had a cult-like obsession with this. And I thought I, that's, it was just so strange that she couldn't make it through a conversation. Fast forward probably 10 years and I was in a group of fellow coaches and we brought a woman in to lead us and give us a day-long workshop on the Enneagram for our own self-development and awareness. And it was there that started a series of exploratory workshops and learning and reading for me. And I realized this thing had legs to it. It wasn't just some 
woo-woo concept, but it was psychologically based and well-grounded. This thing has legs. And I spent probably five years just learning about it for myself. And I'm a type three competitive achiever. And when I saw myself in my own world and all the ways that that drove me, because the Enneagram really describes motivational drivers, which then influence how I think, feel, and behave. But when I saw myself being so driven to win and achieve and perform at the sake or at the cost of even what my own soul wanted, I realized that this was a deeply personal self-development tool. And I spent five years in that conversation. And then I found the assessment that I'm now certified in and actually train other coaches in because it is the single most valid assessment that I've been exposed to that can help me create the same awareness in a short period of time with clients. Because my clients don't have five years to read and attend seven workshops on the subject. And so I use an assessment now to really net it out pretty quickly so that clients can see their patterns and I can have some awareness of what their likely patterns are as they walk in their world. How do you then sort of structure that in your coaching engagements? You you mentioned that you'd like to use this. At what point in in the coaching would you introduce this tool? I'm laughing because I'm going to tell you, Meg, I'm doing everything I would advise coaches not to do. I force every one of my clients to take it. I force them to take it. Well, I do it with soft velvet gloves. I invite them. But really, my expectation is they will take this in in a coaching engagement that I am entering with them. And I ask them to take it very early in the engagement. So we may not debrief it at the very, very beginning, but we're going to debrief the results and start looking at how the patterns connect to their coaching issues pretty early in the engagement. Because what I tend to find is as I'm talking with clients and they have challenges, So for instance, I'm coaching a CEO right now, female CEO type eight, which is called the active controller. And of course, I conducted stakeholder interviews with her executive team and board chair. And here were the interview feedback themes. She's controlling, she's demanding, she's intimidating, she is intolerant. And and of course, my red flags would go up and say, Hmm, that sounds like kind of the shadow side patterns of a type eight active controller and the impact that an unaware type eight might have. Intimidating, bossy, controlling, demanding, can never please her. And so the Enneagram gives us some shortcut language and gives clients a beautiful 40 page document to, to really look at themselves. So I we can just see ourselves being ourselves. And let's continue with that particular client for a minute. So you get this feedback from her key stakeholders and you, she also has this beautiful feedback from her assessment. How Mm -hmm. then would you, as her coach, marry that information together and use that within the coaching? It's a great question. And And we do have to dovetail those because stakeholder interview feedback will give us information about behaviors and their consequences, Mm -hmm. right? 
So here's what she's doing in the world and here's the consequence it has. Beautiful. She may not understand that her behaviors have an impact. Okay. The Enneagram talks about why we do what we do. So the motivation, because, you know, the example that I like to use, I didn't make this up. I've borrowed it is three people can mow their lawn on a Saturday morning at at 6 a.m. Why they do it might be for very different reasons. You know, in, in Dallas, it might be that it's so hot later in the day. Let's, let's do it early while it's cool. It might be that if I've got a busy schedule, it's the only time I've got. Or it might be that I'm going to get even with my neighbor who's partying till two in the morning. The behavior is the same, but the motivation is different. Mm. So coming back to this client, behavior might be she yells at people in the hall. Now, any of us on a bad day might yell at people, maybe. Uh, So the behavior might be the same, but why is she doing it? If we look at the lens of Enneagram, a type eight doesn't want to feel weak or vulnerable. And so how they kind of adapt and cope with not wanting to feel weak and vulnerable is to take a position of strength and power and step into control and be the boss and be the leader. So why she's doing what she does will kind of come back to what, what is her adaptive coping strategy for being okay in the world? And that's what our personalities are. So this is a personality typing system, but what do personalities do? They give us adaptive coping strategies for making our way very successfully in the world. And so what happens for personality in general, and definitely the Enneagram, is I like to tell people, your personality and your Enneagram type is going to work for you 92.8% of the time. That's why you've created this pattern of behavior. It works. What we want to do is to say, how do I really leverage the strengths of being the leader, being the mm-hmm. controller, and also watch for the shadow side of if I'm not aware, I might be perceived as intimidating. If I'm not really paying attention to that, I might disempower people by being the only one who makes all the decisions. While behaviors can be can work for us, there are certainly times where behaviors work against us. Mm-hmm. And yet our motivator is going to be the same motivator, maybe then helping the person see how that motivator can come out in a different way, can be satisfied with a different behavior. Is that accurate? It's such a good question. There's one school of thought that says that motivator may never be satisfied, right? Okay. Uh, but But what we want to do, I'd say there's multiple ways to look at the Enneagram as a developmental tool. So the first thing I'll say to anyone is, yes, it's a personality typing tool, but primarily it's a developmental tool. For each of the Enneagram numbers or types, there are actually very clear developmental pathways that are built into the model itself to say, for the type 8 active controller, a developmental path for them is to actually incorporate the behaviors and qualities of the type two. There's a line connecting those two. And the type two is the considerate helper who will bring more attention to others and what do others need and how do I come in in with a little bit more heart and empathy? Well, eight could benefit greatly from that, right? So the developmental pathways are actually built in to the model as well. Oh, how powerful. 
So let's take a little bit of time here to share what those nine pathways are. So for people who are listening, who are just hearing Enneagram for the first time, might want to get a little clear picture. We started with a specific example of how an eight might exhibit behaviors. Where do you want to start, Kathleen? Well, let's start with one. I know that 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 makes sense to many listeners, and there are lots of schools of Enneagram teachers who will start with the number eight, interestingly enough. But let's start with the type one. So the type one, and let me say one other thing, the Enneagram is not owned by anyone. So it lives in the public domain, and different teachers and thought leaders and researchers have put a very specific language label set around the different numbers. But most people will agree of the qualities of a type one. So if we read a book about the Enneagram, we might get a different label in that book than what what a different assessment might have. So there might be different labels, but as a whole, the qualities or the the descriptors are going to be pretty similar. Yes. Okay. That's exactly right. So I'm going to use the labels that are connected to the assessment I use from Integrative Enneagram Solutions. For the type one, it's called the strict perfectionist. Okay. They are motivated to do the right things in the right way at the highest level of excellence. Other labels might be called the reformer. So, uh, but I I like the strict perfectionist because it's like, I want to do the right thing the right way. Well, it definitely paints a picture. Strict perfectionist definitely gives me a a pretty clear indicator of of what might be there. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. The type two is called in this model, the considerate helper. This is a person whose motivation is I want to help others. I can, my focus is external. I see other people's needs and wants, and I genuinely want to help them. Now, why I do that is actually, I want you to like me. I want to be appreciated. So think about Enneagram as it is my stance to the world. It's the lens through which I see the world, right? The type three, uh, that's my type, competitive achiever. And other labels would include performer, right? Um, But the competitive achiever is motivated to get a lot done, to do as much as they can depending on the subtype, and we may not go into this whole nother layer here, um, some competitive achievers are doing it to win and look good. And other competitive achievers are doing it just because they believe that that's good to do. And we're motivated to get a lot done because then we think we're going to have value and worth in the world. The, The type four, the intense creative, is someone who has a deep internal landscape and they're aware of their feelings. That's that intense part. And you paint a type four into a corner and they will paint you a beautiful masterpiece. So they end up being very expressive and very creative in their ideas, maybe in in their expression of the world. And uh, just a note, in the corporate world, type fours are the least represented type because oftentimes these people find their ways into the arts more than a corporate leadership role. Type five is the quiet specialist. And the quiet specialist wants to make sense of the world. And they will be quiet because they go internally to think about things and gather information and do research and connect the dots. 
and come up with mental models that make sense of the world. Dirk, who created this particular assessment, is a type five. He spent years researching and trying to connect the dots to say, how do we create a super valid assessment? Type sixes, loyal skeptic. And I like looking at both of those words separately. Loyal, I'm loyal to the group. It's not about me and my achievement. I want all of us to cross the finish line together. And I want to belong to the group. And I want to support the group. The skeptic part is that I can see what might go wrong. I can see the risks associated with these different paths of action. The motivation for the type six is to be safe and keep the group safe. And so this is such a great Enneagram type to have in a group setting where you might have a leader saying, let's take the hill. The type six will say, let me share the obstacles along the way. Let me tell you where the roadblocks will be, right? Because we need to get there together safely. Okay. So type seven, the enthusiastic visionary. This is a person who sees the world of possibilities and they want to experience it all. Type sevens identify with having the fear of missing out, FOMO, because that looks good and that's possible and that could be exciting and, right, the world is our oyster. So the type seven is motivated to experience pleasure and move away from pain. And so type sevens will move away from pain by saying, oh, but we could do that. That's possible. Let me anticipate that next wonderful thing that I could be part of. Type eight is the active controller, as we've mentioned. And I think we've shared a little bit about the eight. They want to be strong to avoid weakness and vulnerability. So the motivation is, I don't want to feel or experience weakness or vulnerability. I'm going to be controlling of what I need to control. And and people sometimes think active controllers are trying to control everything. They're not. They want someone to be in control. And if there's a void of anyone being in leadership, the type eight will step in. They'll go, well, I'll step in. The other names for the type eight are boss or leader. Okay. Or challenge. Almost like there is a vulnerability if there's not somebody at the helm. So this ship is not going to go off course. If there's nobody at the helm, I will get it at the helm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. And then the type nine is the adaptive peacemaker. And type nines are motivated to avoid conflict. And how they avoid conflict is by being great mediators, by seeing everyone's point of view, by seeing the validity of everyone's point of view, by actually seeking and understanding the impact of decisions and wanting to create harmony. And so the type nine is motivated by Creating harmony, finding the common ground on which we can all stand. And, and, and that's my type. And that is your type. That's and that's your type. Yeah. And my guess, Meg, is you also resonated with other numbers as well. Because, because you were sharing the other numbers? Yes. 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 Do you have a sense of what else you felt kind of resonant with? Well, I definitely resonated with two as well. And that the concept of the creativity, I think what I also, I wanted to be more creative. I was, there were some that, that you said that I thought, oh, that would be a good one to be as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, sometimes we have type envy. That's what yes, I Yes, type it. envy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
I'll say a couple things. One, because there is an assessment and, and the client gets a report, I will spend at least one or two hours just helping them understand what is in the report. It's a very robust report. It is very robust. It is. Yeah, thank you. And so I will spend at least an hour or two in a very kind of formal debrief saying, here's what this is saying, or here's what this means. How do you relate to it? How does this live in your life? And so it's, it's, it's more kind of contained in a debrief setting. And then I think the Enneagram comes to life in the coaching work because clients don't want to learn the Enneagram. What they want is help with their, their problems and their goals. Right. And so Beyond the debrief of the Enneagram, what I focus on then is with the client, what are they trying to do in their world and how do these patterns support them? How can they leverage the strengths of their type and how can they watch the kind of shadow side of the pattern and how it might get in the way? I like how it's referred to as the shadow side. I mean, the reality is any there's two sides to every coin, right? So So when we have a motivator and behaviors that come forward, they can work for us and then they can potentially become a challenge or become show up in a way that is not serving us the way that we would like or serving those around us the way that we would like. So referring to them as the shadows, I just like that. It's just a, like anytime we stand in the sun, there's going to be a shadow behind us that, that, so I like, I mean, I don't know. That's just my two cents worth. I really, I like the way that that presents. Well, and it is, they are two sides, you know, it's kind of like ego and soul are connected. I have to have an ego to have an identity to take into the world. And yet, wouldn't it be great if my soul were as well-developed to balance that out, right? So there, I do think that that's nice to look at the two sides. Right. You know, if you're willing, Meg, we can just play with this for a second with your, your type. So yes, let's. Here you do this work in the world. By the way, as a coach, I also get more data than, than shows up in your report, your second highest score was type two. So when you said I resonated with that, it's like, yeah, it makes sense. That was right behind type nine. So what that will probably tell us is you are very motivated to keep the peace, find the harmony, mediate ideas, be the peacemaker. And you will identify with a lot of behaviors that a type two will have, which is I'm focused out there. What do others need? How do I help others get what they want? So you're both, you're going to have access to both of those. And let's just look for a moment. Here's the work you do as a type nine. Isn't it interesting? Every week you're seeking others' points of views and validating them. That's what the nine does, right? Yeah. So how does your nine serve you, the qualities of the type nine? How does that serve you in your life, whether we look at the work role or any other role you want to look at? So I I think that the nine serves me very well, A, in, as you said, connecting with others, helping students learn to coach and bring their strengths forward. I just was on a call earlier today with the assistant director at one of the schools that I teach at. And she said, I am so glad that you're the first instructor in the program because you make it safe for the students. You are encouraging and challenging, but encouraging in a way that 
they, when they're in that vulnerable state of first learning a new skill set, you have the personality that can help them grow and thrive in that. So I was very grateful for, for her sharing that with me. Personality and the Enneagram then, it's a composition of both nature and nurture. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we are wired with certain genetic predispositions. We know this about optimism, pessimism, you know, introversion, extroversion. And then here comes nurture. And oftentimes people can describe early childhood events that actually help to form their personality. Now that, what you describe as a super early childhood event of you stepping into a family after a traumatic, significant loss. And, And who knows if there was some dynamic that you found early in life. If I help keep the peace, if I'm the glue that kind of soothes the water or the tension, you probably got positive strokes from doing that. And so that's where the pattern gets formed to say, yeah, that works. And so we keep doing it and it works again. We keep doing it. And here you are, this beautiful type nine that connects well with others and finds opinions and validates them in the world. And ironically, in birth order, I was between two brothers who were like oil and water. So having to kind of keep peace there because there was constant conflict in the, in that relationship. And I was sandwiched between the two of them. Yes. Yeah. So just staying, if you don't mind for a minute, no. how does your peacemaking, soothing, finding common ground, wanting harmony, not wanting conflict get in the way? How, how does Adocide show up? I'm very conflict avoidant. And that doesn't necessarily serve me well professionally. Well, and let's take that kind of strength-based approach, looking for why you even have this thing called personality that's a type nine adaptive coping strategy. It actually probably serves you the vast majority of the time. Yeah, probably so. I mean, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So when you say it may not serve me in the professional world, it's like, oh, this is where I, my theory is it works for you 92.8% of the time really, really well. It's just, you know, when you start becoming aware, all right, I know that I avoid conflict. I know I want to withdraw when I, it happens, which is very t- typical of a type nine. I withdraw when there's interpersonal tension. It's like, well, I want to go away. I know that. And now with that awareness, I can choose. So part of this is about have awareness so you can choose. If the habit is I withdraw and avoid conflict, all right, I've got a conflicted situation I'm in the middle of. What do I want to do now? Because you can choose to stay in there and be assertive and speak your point of view, or you can choose to withdraw. But now at least you get to choose. And so what's really interesting, as you were talking, I thought, but I have been a therapist and a coach for over 30 years now. And conflictual situations happen in that environment frequently, or particularly when I was a therapist, I would have freak and just be right in the middle of it. You cannot do marriage counseling and not have there be consistent conflict. And I was very much a negotiator, a mediator, a a therapist in the middle of that day after day. So it's interesting because I wasn't putting 
it's own, that's just, it was a light that came on for me. I do not back away from being appropriately challenging with my coaching clients that are in that place that sort of need to have some new awareness. Uh, so that's very interesting because I would think that that wouldn't go along with the conflict avoidance. Well, okay. Just staying here for a minute yeah. more. When you are in that marriage counselor role, first of all, you have a role. Your role is to right, help bring awareness to the other party's point of view. Wanting to be the peacekeeper in stressful situations. And we can all identify with you know, wanting to withdraw when the conflict is too hot. How would I use this with clients? Right. Here's what's fascinating. And, and I will tell you my practice with it is I will pull up, I get a little coach's companion sheet that's got all of the numbers behind the scene in two pages. I will pull it up before most of my coaching conversations with my ongoing clients. And I will glance and remind myself, ah, Meg is a type nine. She's got a lot of two in her profile. She's got a lot of seven in her profile. The enthusiastic visionary, big picture idea what's possible. And, and then we go into the conversation. And it may be at some point in the conversation that you bring up a coaching issue. And what I hear are the, the reflections of the pattern. I want to make, I want to keep the peace for everyone else. And my voice isn't getting heard. And I go, okay. That is a core challenge for a type nine. And I may bring up the pattern using the language of the Enneagram, or I may not. But I know in my mind, here's this person still wrestling with one of the core issues of that personality type, which is, you know, there's a word that we sometimes use called self-forgetting. I'm so busy validating everyone else's point of view that I've forgotten my own voice, like what is my point of view? And am I willing to take a stand and put my point of view on the table? And am I willing to have a goal for myself, even if it creates ruffles for other people? And am I willing to be an agent on my behalf? And those are some of the developmental paths for type nine. So if I'm working with a type nine, and I was working with a type nine yesterday, and what was fascinating, I can't remember the details of the conversation. There was part of this pattern that showed up. And we could go back to the Enneagram, even though it was two years ago that she took it. Wow. But to say, ah, do you remember the Enneagram? Do you remember this aspect? This is part of the, the challenge to work through, to develop through. So there are so many kinds of assessments out there. And coaches use many different assessments to kind of have that conversation, that place to start the conversation or to be able to refer back to like you talked about. What is it specifically about this construct that you find to be so powerful versus the other options that are out there? Yeah, it again, is a really thoughtful question. I think my the commitment to this construct is because for me, it was singularly the most influential self-development tool I've ever experienced for myself. And by the way, I am certified in at least seven different assessments. I've been exposed to many more than that. And this is the only one I consistently use. Now, if I'm working with leaders, I also use a Leadership 360, which measures behavior and right? That external, how are other people experiencing this leader on a set of leadership competencies? But I think I love it because I have learned more and grown more by focusing on this 
this model for myself than any other tool I've been exposed to. So that's one. And I think other tools, there's a model, and I, I won't do it justice here. It's called the Kinevan model. But it talks about there's simple tools that are very kind of predictable. They look at probabilities and they make sense. Then there's more kind of complicated tools. And I there's a lot of assessments that fit in one of those categories. You know, mm-hmm. DISC, social styles, Myers-Briggs, Hogan. It's, you know, they're probable. We're going to get probabilities there of makes sense. There's probably some cause and effect. And then we get into the more complex land. And Enneagram lives in the more complex land. So for me, it's a, just a far more robust set of knowledge that looks at inner drivers and therefore how I'm also taking myself into the world. Whereas some of the other tools might just look at behavior or kind of staying at the surface, which is good. I mean, trust me, I've used DISC and social styles for years working in teams. Mm-hmm. Except now, Meg, I use the Enneagram. And so I actually use the Enneagram with my teams where we're trying to get self-awareness, self-understanding, other awareness, other understanding in a team setting. So this is my tool of choice now because it is so robust. And how is it landing on your clients? Because you've used this now for how many years as your primary resource? Well, this, this particular assessment, I think I'm going on five years. How is it landing with clients? I would say it's probably, it's a good question. I'd probably put it in a bell curve. There are some clients who are at one end of the bell curve and they go, huh, yep, that's interesting. Nice, let's move on. There are some clients that go, oh my gosh, I want to know more. They read books. They want to get certified to, you know, deliver this with the people in their lives, whether they're, you know, their HR practitioners or their coaches. And they go, I want to get certified on it. Mm -hmm. And everyone else is probably in the big bubble of the bell curve going, oh, wow, I see myself in here. I get it. I see my patterns. Super helpful. And they will have a short-term relationship with it to the extent that it serves them. Mm -hmm. And three years from now, they may or may not remember their Enneagram number. So I'd say that's kind of the the spectrum. But 90%, I think, of my clients, when they read the report, they go, oh, wow, that really fits me. And And that was my response to it. That really fits me. Yeah. So what about when you do it with, when you use the tool with a team or a group, is everyone aware of the, everybody else's numbers? So that basically we know we have a team that has, you know, four eights and, and three twos or whatever. And then we're able to kind of understand that we've got different motivators. I mean, yes. obviously, if, if we have four and two, we would have similar, but I, you know what I meant. The, yeah, so it's yes. If I use this in teams, what I start with is just the individual expression experience. So for instance, if, if we had a team of eight people and we were an intact team, I, Kathleen, facilitating this team, would do a riff on the Enneagram, what it is, the motivational drivers, Everyone would have received their assessment results in advance and had read through it and said, boy, this fits, this doesn't. So they have some personal awareness. And I would ask everyone in that team setting to say, okay, so I'm a type nine. Here are the strengths that, you know, here are my strengths. And here are kind of those shadow qualities or the blind spots of my type. Here's how to give me feedback 
and here's the best way to build a relationship with me. And so part of it's based on Enneagram knowledge and part of it's based on my knowledge of myself. But everyone kind of says, here are my strengths and my shadow sides, how to build a relationship with me, how to give me feedback. Within this overall concept of we've done a little riff on all nine types. And I get the team to ask each other questions about, so really you, you really hate conflict that much? You avoid X? How does it show up here? And what about the meetings with so-and-so? What happens for you? And so they dialogue around it. And then I will create a team report. So this group, the Integrative Enneagram Solutions Group, also has a team report. And so a team will behave in a certain way based on the individual makeup of everyone in the team. And so a team might be a type two team. And that plays out in the company in a specific way. We're going to be super helpful. Maybe we overcommit. Maybe we don't kind of pay attention to drawing clear boundaries because we want to be so helpful. How does that show up for the team? And where does the team have underrepresented qualities? Maybe there's not a lot of six in that team profile, that loyal skeptic. So how do they behave their way into the underrepresented qualities? I do a lot with teams around this. I can see how that could be a game changer for teams and start a whole conversation and increase awareness about how they're showing up, how they're being perceived, what that personality of that team is. What I'd like to to spend a little bit of time on, we talked about the fact that Enneagram isn't owned by anybody. You can learn about the Enneagram through books, through the internet, I'm sure, through articles. And then there's different companies that are going to have assessments regarding this, but you have a favorite. And let's spend just a few minutes because I really like to connect the audience with good resources. And you've done your homework. You know what works particular for you in this situation, but I'd love for you to share what is it about this particular tool that you find to be helpful? And if you can just share a little bit about the tool you use. Yeah, absolutely. Before I answer that, I, I will say that there are great books written on this. My favorite is Beatrice Chestnut, The Complete Enneagram. And almost any book that you read on the Enneagram will have a paper self-assessment, or if you're on Kindle, you know, it'll be a little self-assessment that will get you close. But what it will tell you is, you know, based on how you answered a handful of questions, you might be a type seven. So that can be useful. Mm -hmm. And people, I think the dialogue that anyone has with this, they've got to try it on and say, does it fit? Mm -hmm. You know, is it true? And, but it's going to stay at the surface, this particular assessment. And I don't know, Meg, if if you really want to share this, but I am happy to give anyone listening a free assessment if they want to take this for themselves and they will get a report so we can talk about how to that make that available. Wonderful. Yeah. And we will definitely talk about where that's available. Go ahead. But this assessment will tell you your main type. It will tell you kind of an overlay of a subtype. So whether you're more oriented to being self-preservation or one-on-one, like in that intense connection, or you're more oriented to the group and where you fit in the group. This assessment will tell you how you probably express yourself in the world. If you're high warmth and feeling or high action, let's go, or high thinking, which is cool analytical. So it gives us a read of what's likely going to be presented to others in the world. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this assessment tells me as a coach what you're likely going to do when you're in conflict, either stand your ground, be assertive, go along to get along, or withdraw. And we'll talk about what you're likely to do if like the, the house burns down outside, what your three strategies would be in a stack order. It gives a very contextual stress strain profile to say, how much stress strain are you feeling in your life right now? And what I've found often working with clients who have a lot of strain is it reflects back. It gives them a little bit of a wake up call to say, you are in the red zone on your stress and strain. How do you take care of yourself? Because and I think it breaks that stress and strain down into different categories, which is really Yeah. Yeah. Your stress and strain about work and interpersonal relationships and just your environment. Health and yeah. Health and and how much happiness are you experiencing on a regular basis? And this assessment is probably 95% valid and accurate. So I know, and I get some reliability measures in the assessment. I know if you take the assessment, and your reliability measures look good, that we probably got it right. And I can't say that for a lot of the free or very low cost assessments that are online that I've experimented with. And I've taken many and sometimes they get my type right. And sometimes they don't. And then it makes me nervous because if the client identifies as, ah, I'm a type seven and they're really not, but they didn't take a valid assessment, they start They start believing that. And that's fine. That's fine. Because we're all a little bit of all of these, that it may not be the most helpful thing developmentally for them if they don't get it right. Mm -hmm. So the name of the one that you're, you're not only person who will use it, you actually train other coaches to use this particular tool. I do because I was such a fervent evangelist customer. For two years, I was spreading the news about this assessment, and I finally decided to partner with the organization, and and now I train other coaches. But first, I'm a diehard customer. I will tell you that. But I I do. And the, the company is called Integrative Enneagram. This assessment, the shortcut language is called the IEQ9, Integrative Enneagram Questionnaire. Nine stands for nine types. Okay, perfect. What have I not asked you about this? construct about what you do with, I mean, just in general, what have I left on the table that you would like to address? Well, I think it's important to just kind of remind anyone who uses an assessment. This isn't about boxing people in. This assessment is about showing people the box that they have created for themselves over their lifetime. So we, we have a whole series of ethics about we can't type people because this is a motivational driver. I can't look at your behaviors and say, you must be a two, right? This is about what motivates me. So we can't type other people and people like doing that. It seems fun, but we're going to be wrong half the time and we shouldn't use it for screening for, you know, job selection or promotion because it doesn't predict behavior and success. So I think that's my little, my ethics kind of point that I just add to the conversation. Thank you for bringing your experience, your expertise in this particular construct 
and how you're able to use it in your coaching because obviously each and every week, you know, we explore a different strategy tool or resource. And it sounds like this is an incredibly powerful tool. It is robust. And yes, it's very robust. I will tell you that I have read my report and thought, yep, this is spot on. And some of those things I've been happy about were spot on and some I've been not necessarily a flag waver about, but definitely I understand that they're there. And it gives me some new awareness to think about how do I, how do I want to move forward with that information? Yeah, so thank great. you, Kathleen. Thank you. It's, you can see I'm passionate about this. So thank you for giving me the chance to be with you again. Oh, it's such a joy. So now we have a window into what the Enneagram looks like. You learned a little bit more about me maybe than you even wanted to. And if you'd like to know more, go to the starcoachshow.com page. And in the show notes for this episode, you will learn more about how to access the free episode. Now, how you're going to do that is you're going to email Kathleen Stinnett at Kathleen at futurelaunch.com. In the subject line, put free assessment, and then just let her know briefly that you listen to the Star Coach Show and you would like to access the free assessment and she'll line you up to do that. In addition, for those of you who might be interested, Kathleen is also offering a reduced rate debrief for the listeners of this show. So the information for that is also going to be in the show notes for episode 148. Thanks again to Kathleen for joining the show, for sharing her expertise with us and helping us all understand the Enneagram system that much better. If you're enjoying the show, I would so appreciate a rate and review wherever you listen to the show so that more and more coaches can find us. If you have a favorite episode, put it up on Facebook or LinkedIn or tweet about it. And be sure to tag Meg Rentschler so that I can share your post with others. Now you're going to want to come back next week when I have life coach Nancy McKay on. She's going to share a very personal life journey with us and how it's impacted her coaching. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a wonderful week.